I'm Andrea Worley, and you're listening to Episode 3 of the Flourish Together podcast, The Enneagram, with Kristen from Hertove. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Flourish Together podcast. I'm super excited about today's episode because I have my friend Kristen on with us, and Kristen is an Enneagram coach. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you for being here with me. Thanks so much. I'm so excited. Okay, Kristen. So for those who are not familiar with yourself or the Enneagram, go ahead and introduce yourself and kind of give everybody a brief description like description of what the Enneagram is. We're going to get into it more in depth in a little bit, but just briefly talk about it. All right. Um, So I'm Kristen and I am, um, I live in Minneapolis and I am a mom. I am a wife and I um, also am a coach, an Enneagram coach. And um, I run a business called Hertove. T-O-V sounds like stove. Um, and Tove, her Tove is um, just an Enneagram coaching business um, that I started when I realized that there was this group of people in the world um, who, who were in need of understanding themselves better. And a lot of them would find me just randomly, like I'd be at the park with the kids or I'd be... Um, just at any kind of social something function. And I would get into these conversations with people and all of a sudden I'm like helping them to understand the, you know, why they want to go back to work after having kids or why they don't want to go back to work having, um, after having kids. And I'm helping them to, um, to make decisions in their in their daily lives and I am not I was not that type of person for a long time but these people just kind of find me um at the park the kids I would you know be swinging with the kids or something and I'd make some side comment to someone about the weather then all of a sudden I'm hoping that the kids are okay with an extra hour at the park because this mom just like goes into it with me and I don't know her um and so her tove came out of this desire to see people become their true selves and to, to walk with folks as they do that. Um, so tove is a fun word and it is, um, the Hebrew ancient Hebrew word for good. And so, um, if you look in the creation story in Genesis in the Bible, uh, when God is creating the world and he's in God's creating all of these different things on different days. God calls the things that he is creating good, but it's not this good that's like, oh, great. That's great. Um, good. Woohoo. It's like, it's much deeper and profound than that. Um, it's this idea that there's unique good in, in, in things and in the world. Um, like in a tree or in a plant, God called the seeds in the plant good um, on the day that he created the vegetation and the things coming up out of the out of the ground, um, and so it's this idea that there's uniqueness inside of each of us that is um, unique to each of us, um, and it's this unique good that then brings forth more good in the world, that then brings forth more good into the world, and more good and more good. And so when I started her tove, I um, enneagram was something that I did personally, something that I. Um, used in my own life as a personality development um, tool. And then I realized, oh, okay, that's how this all works together. It's the Enneagram is actually this really beautiful, robust personality typing system and tool where um, we can get into who and what we actually, who we actually are and the actual unique good that's inside of us when we learn about who we actually are, that's when it can come out. So the Enneagram is this, um, this tool that is meant to break you out of boxes that you may have found yourself in. Either you put yourself there or society has put you there, your family, your work environment, whatever it is. 
And um, the Enneagram is meant to just break you out of that. It's helpful when you see yourself in different um, behavior patterns to start noticing some things and to break you out of it. It's really old. Um, it was a, an oral tradition for a really, really, really long time. Um, but it started to be written down sometime in the 70s and 80s when it came to the United States. And it was first taught to folks um, uh, in different like uh, so like priests or spiritual directors and therapists as a way to um, for those people to start to understand the folks that they're working with and then eventually it started to get written down and, and books were um, started to get published and now we're here in this in this world where Enneagram is a little bit all over the place. I love that you said that um, it's meant to break you out of boxes because whenever I explain to, I mean, I'm not an Enneagram expert just from my own like novice of learning, but um, whenever I explain to people what the Enneagram is, I always use that same wording um, because I, I, you probably get this a lot too. People will say, um, you know, what makes the Enneagram different than another personality test like Myers-Briggs or, you know, the introverted or extrovertedness or whatever. Um, and I always say that in my experience of, because I've done Myers-Briggs and I'm, I'm pretty sure I've done every personality test like ever <laughs> in the land. Um, and whenever I've done some of those tests or learned about some of those personality tests and types, I've always really felt like they label you, you're this personality or you're an INFP or ENFJ or whatever. And it kind of makes you feel like that's all you can be. And you just like sit in your personality-ness. And I've learned because of my knowledge of the Enneagram, I've learned so much about how people just really like, they just rest on their loyal laurels and like, this is what I am, take it or leave it. But what I love about the Enneagram is that it not only like tells you what you are, um, but it tells you what you can be and how to grow and how to change. And so you don't feel so boxed in and like, I can only be this one thing, but it really is a tool that yep. can help you learn and grow and learn yep. more about yourself and others. Yes. What you say to, to that when people ask you the question of what makes the Enneagram different than other personality tests? Yep. Um, what you said is exactly right. I, um, what I love about the Enneagram, which is different, is that a lot of the um, like strengths finders and like Myers-Briggs and like the DISC test um, that is found a lot of times in corporations and businesses, they focus on the really great things about you. Mm -hmm. I am a X, Y, and Z on strengths finders. It's like, great. And the name says a lot about what it is, a strengths finder thing. Um, Enneagram shows you and, and is really um, blunt about the really awesome parts of who you are, um, the really positive, <clears throat> virtuous parts of who you are. Mm -hmm. And also it gives you a really um, kind of a black and white look at the shadowy sides of each of us. Um, so if there's nine numbers on the Enneagram and each of the numbers has a really positive, um, really positive side of that number. And then each of the numbers has its own shadow side. Um, and, and no number is better than any other number. Um, it's just nine numbers. Everybody is one of those numbers. They're gonna sit heaviest on one of those numbers. And it gives you a roadmap to, to becoming more of who you truly are. And so the idea is that it actually, Enneagram, you start in your number. I'm a nine, so I start at nine. Um, but the whole idea with Enneagram is that it's meant to actually move you out of that personality number and into more of who you actually are. I love that. Can we, can we go through the nine types for everybody that's listening? Um, just and maybe uh, something that you say in describing the nine types will kind of like resonate with people and give them a jumping off point of where to start looking. So let's go through the nine types in whatever order you want to do it in. Okay. Okay. Um, I will say 
I'm going to actually back up one step before we get to the next yeah. Um, I like when I, when I meet with people, um, and we're trying to figure out where they sit, I always start with the 10,000 foot view, which is, um, that all the nine numbers are actually broken into three triads that had the heart and the gut. And so, um, I'm going to go through the nine numbers based on the triads. And so I'll kind of do a little bit of, um, head, heart and gut stuff and, definitely what each of the numbers are. So if we're going to start with the gut triad, so those are numbers eight, nine, and one. Um, the gut triad is your intuition. So folks who land on numbers eight, nine, and one are like super intuitive. They are, they have this energy in their body that is like just really, there's a lot of it. Um, they, they, can feel anger a lot easier sometimes than a lot of other numbers but anger is like is actually a bad word to use to describe it's just like this yes, it is. right <laughs> right I mean you know so um, but it's like this because I'm a one and yeah. whenever I heard people talk about anger I thought to myself I'm not angry like I literally was getting angry that people were, <laughs> I mean ones is angry and yeah. then I was like I was like, okay, maybe like there's something to this. <laughs> right, right. Well, okay. So, so we can say it's like this energy, this energetic feeling inside of us um, in the gut triad. It's like this fire in our bones. Um, and we're all going to each of those three numbers, eight, nine, and one are going to um, ex uh, show that differently. So eights are the, they're called, some people call them the challenger. Some people call them, I call them the powerful person. Um, and they show this energy outward. So they are like, you know, when an eight comes into the room, they are this like powerful, energetic presence. Um, they can be really, they're strong, they're fair, they're confident. They really care to, um, about injustice in the world. And they really want to eliminate that and they will stand up for the underdog. Mm -hmm. um, they don't like to be controlled. They don't like to control situations or, or rooms, but if that control is up for grabs, the eight is going to take that control because the worst possible thing for an eight is to feel um, like they are being controlled. So they've got this really hard exterior shell to them um, that, that they will, um, show to the world. Um, but if you can get underneath that exterior shell of like, you know, confidence and, and charismaticness, and sometimes eights are magnanimous, their body, they like feel much bigger than their body. Um, if you can get underneath that, eights are really sweet people who, um, really, really care deeply for, for, the people that are in their lives. So um, they can also be really vulnerable. They can use their energy for good and for strength instead of for control and for vindictiveness. Um, and then every number <clears throat> has this, this really great, all of these things are really great. Um, and then when we, when we kind of turn the number just a little bit, that's when the shadow side comes up. So the, the really sweet, vulnerable, energetic person on the shadow side can be overly controlling, can be vengeful, um, domineering. They can have a hard time being compassionate. Um, and so the idea with eight is that you have to actually get back to the virtue of what your number is, which for eight is innocence. And so that's, again, trying to get underneath that hard exterior shell and remember that you are, you are loved and that you are kind and that you can use all of your awesome energy and strength for good and that you don't actually need to be in control. So that's eight. Um, nine, still in the gut triad. <sighs> That's me, nine. Um, nine is <laughs> the peacemaker or the peaceful person. And so for a nine, um, nines are peaceful, they're optimistic, they're really supportive, they're really stable and grounded. They want to make the world a more harmonious place. Um, they have a ton of energy and 
guttiness about them. But if eights, if eights are the ones that show their energy outward, nines actually keep their energy inside, but a lot of times they actually forget that they have it or they're too busy using it to keep the peace inside their self and in the world. And so nines can sometimes actually come off as very um, tired and, and not energetic at all, but that doesn't mean that we're not. We just use our energy in different ways. Um, and so when we are trying to keep the peace in ourselves and in the world, nines um, can be really minimizing and they can fall asleep to themselves. Um, they can show inaction. They can not have an opinion about stuff um, because you know, if you assert an opinion, that means that the other person might tell you that you're wrong and to, and that would rock the boat for a nine. And that feels really hard and scary. Um, and at the, at, at their best nines are diplomatic. They're super inclusive. They can see any side to a situation. And then all of those really great things about nine, if you turn it just a little bit, again, can become the shadow side of nine, which is losing their point of view, um, not taking action on anything, um, being uh, passive aggressive in what they need to say or what they need to do. And they do it all to, because they think that that's how it is best to keep the peace. Um, so the virtue for nine, the, the, the gift of a nine is, is right action. So instead of being, um, you know, not, instead of being passive and falling asleep to yourself and not having a, an opinion, nines have to work really hard to actually be actionable and do the next right thing um, and that's how nines can start to get back to themselves is to not try to keep the peace all the time but actually have an opinion about stuff actually say hey where do you want to i want to go here for dinner tonight and be okay with the other person disagreeing with you so that's nine and then ones um, ones are the good person and they're the last number in the gut triad. Um, ones are super hardworking. They're really reliable. They have um, pretty high standards. They want to make the world a better place. Um, and sometimes that can slip into perfectionism. Um, at their best, ones can see potential in everything. Um, and they really like to have fun and they know that they are good no matter what. Um, and all of those things can then, you know, show the shadowy side when we kind of turn them just a little bit. And, and ones can start to feel constantly criticized. They have this, this inner critic voice that we probably all have to some extent, but one, you can talk to this too, ones, um, their inner critic voice is just so loud. It's so loud. And if you're not, if they're not careful, um, or if they let their inner critic drive the bus or drive the car, um, and pick the music and, you know, the steering wheel, um, that inner critic voice can actually really do some damage. And so I always say that ones will always be more critical of themselves than anybody else possibly could ever be. Um, and and that inner critic voice is going to say, I should do this. I should do that. I should do this. I should do that. I'm not good enough. That's black and white. There's no other option, etc." Yes. I will. I will like nod my head to all of that. <laughs> and I, I, I think I said this before, um, but now that I have like the knowledge of the Enneagram and my number, mm -hmm. I wish that I would have had this knowledge like 11 years ago when I first got married or like yes. in college. Oh my gosh. And I think to myself now, I think, I think every like engaged couple should like know their Enneagram number and yep. do that in their premarital counseling. Um, and it's just so helpful. I mean, in my marriage, I, I mean, I, when you're talking about like the inner critic and the inner voice, I mean, I grew up thinking like, oh, everyone has this. And yeah. it wasn't until my knowledge of the Enneagram a couple years ago when I first started learning about this, 
that I realized not everyone has that as loud as I do. And even really like simple, silly things such as my husband saying, uh, asking me a question and then my mind will just go to, does he mean this or that or, or whatever? And I've done that in my life with relationships with my husband or friendships, um, just been so hard on myself or my inner critic has taken it to the nth degree and imagined all these things and played out these like scenarios of, are they happy with me? Yep. And I think that's where it slides into the perfectionist part of it. I talk, I've talked to a lot of ones who are like, I'm not a perfectionist. I, I, we have this idea that like perfectionism is like a clean house at all times. Um, make your bed. I mean, I'll tell you right now, my bed's not made like, <laughs> mine either. No. You know, um, so I think, I think for ones, it's really hard because I think our culture and society idea of what a perfectionist is, mm-hmm. is a one to an extent, but is not fully what that means. And so I talk to a lot of people who are ones on the Enneagram who struggle with that perfectionist part because they're perfectionists in certain areas, but not perfectionists in maybe what the world thinks is perfectionism. And I think it can be really confusing. Maybe you can like speak to that with, with ones a little bit, but just knowing that knowledge really helped me sort the two out and realize, yeah, my house is not clean all the time. And that's not what I'm a perfectionist at. What I am a perfectionist at, and I don't know if any other ones would agree with this, but for me, it's I'm a perfectionist at my work, um, and I'm a perfectionist at my relationships, and I'm super hard on myself when something goes wrong or there's a disagreement, and I want so badly to fix it, and yeah. sometimes in life, you just cannot fix everything right away, and so it becomes like deep hurt or deep emotion or, or like deep sadness or like this deep desire to want to fix it, genuinely fix it and not like sweep it under the rug, but genuinely fix it and like, and move forward. And sometimes life is just messy and doesn't always work like that. Yes, you are right. Um, the thing with ones also is that nothing can, like you cannot be a perfectionist at everything. You just can't. And, and for every one of these numbers, um, for every one of these numbers, it is, you're going to, you're going to see some parts of your number shining through in some ways and some parts it's going to be like, I don't know. Um, I've got someone in my life who I know that she's a one and she, she, one of her things is like, she just doesn't let anybody else do the dishes because that's her thing. Like there's a right way and a wrong way to do the dishes. And so she's going to do the dishes. Um, I think one thing with ones is that it's hard and, and maybe you can say yes or no to this, but what I've seen is that it's hard for, um, for them to admit that something's wrong or that like perfectionism could possibly be a thing for them because um, if we go back to like, so ones will, with the anger part of this gut triad, ones will know that they're angry and they'll shove it down um, because it's not, because if, if they show that emotion, a lot of ones feel like when I'm not good, like then I'm not, oh my gosh. And that, that can actually be really hard for ones to show um, a hard emotion, um, not because they don't want to, but because they're afraid of them not looking good. And good as in like, not like, um, good, like I'm either good or bad like Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think that, I think it comes from, like you said, the not, I think there's with ones, there's such a fine line of, um, the rules and doing the right versus the wrong thing. So you want to be good versus bad. And if I show anger or let somebody know that I'm angry, that's not a good emotion. That's this bad side of myself. Mm -hmm. And so then, like you said, you stuff it and it comes out or manifests in resentment. And for me, that was really like 
transformative and healing in my relationships with with friends and even with my husband realizing how many things i had really like stuffed down uh that i would say like oh i'm over that you know or whatever i would just try not to think about it but it was never really resolved and it turned into resentment and you know it was really, really healthy for me to realize that and kind of deal with it and kind of go back to certain people in my life and realize, you know, maybe there was some intentional things said or done here, uh, but I didn't handle it, handle it the right way and kind of going back and realizing that and making that right and having the tough conversations, not only with myself, but with those people in my life where there needed to be healing. And sometimes it wasn't even always a conversation. It was me realizing it about myself and letting it go and really moving forward once and for all, because I had kind of learned this about myself and it really, it really allowed me as a whole, the Enneagram has really allowed me to let people off the hook, if that makes any sense, because I either, I have a lot of people in my life who have knowledge of the Enneagram and they know their number or in my own research and learning about the Enneagram, I pretty sure I know what people are. I don't say that to them, but it just (laughs) helps me understand people better and really where they're coming from. And so I feel like I can let them off the hook for certain things because I know that they're not trying to be hurtful or that they didn't mean anything. Um, and not that I'm saying that, you know, your Enneagram number, like you have no responsibility of yourself. I, I think you do, but I think it has helped me understand people so much more that I don't take everything so personal anymore. If that makes sense. Yep. Totally. I think that a lot of people, um, use okay so i think that there's a few different types of people who use the enneagram one type is for themselves just for themselves they know their number they're working their stuff out um and or they just know their number and then it's like yay i'm a two i'm a four Wahoo! i'm not gonna do anything about it it's just like this fun thing um which i would say to that actually you've got work to do and so let's get to that so you're more of who you really are um and not more of your number but anyway there's that type of person. And then I think that the other type is um, uh, someone like you and someone like me who, who have done the research and we, we use it for ourselves and we, we use it in our interactions with other people. Not that we're like typing other people or telling other people what they are, because that's like a big old no-no in the Enneagram world. Like you don't want to say go around and say like oh you're a four so therefore I know that da, da, da. not not so much but um more so because then you have more grace with everyone around you and you can see for those that aren't yet um doing the work or they're 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 not ready to for whatever reason which is okay um you just got more grace for them and you can say okay I am I'm understanding um you who is a one I'm understanding now why this is getting to you so much. And I'm understanding why you have a lot of back pain because you're shoving all that, all that frustration and anger and energy down into you and you're trying to bury it. You still know it's there. And so it's still festering in your body. Um, And so to a one, I'd say you got to get that. I mean, to any of the numbers, I'd say you got to work, work out this energy. Um, Especially the gut numbers need to do a good job of, moving their bodies to get that energy out because otherwise can cause a lot of internal stuff if we're not careful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Shall we, shall we keep going? Yes, let's keep going. Okay. So we are on to um, the heart center. So the heart numbers are two, three, and four. And um, the heart center is emotion. um, And, and it's, it's, reading rooms and and seeing um what the emotion is in the room it's it's really honestly like making decisions based on feelings and emotion um and again with all of these different numbers and triads what i think is always fun is that people don't recognize or realize that people make decisions all in different ways 
Um, and so a lot of the contention in relationships and in workplaces can come when you've got somebody in the gut, um, in the gut center that's like, I just know, like my gut's just telling me this is the right decision. And then you've got someone in the head center that's like, except for it doesn't compute. It makes no sense. Where's your data? Blah, blah, blah. Right. And, uh, and so you can both come to a great conclusion and a, the decision together that's right, but you might come at it from completely different ways. And neither of those ways are wrong. Um, but just based on where we land here on the Enneagram is how we primarily make decisions also. So back to the heart center. Um, feelings center. Uh, these folks are going to make their decisions primarily based on their feelings and um, see the world, step into the world first on through their heart and their emotions and their feelings. So for two, twos are considered, the, or they're called the loving people, the loving person, sorry. Um, and twos are naturally warm and loving. They're good listeners. They're nurturers. They really like to help. Um, they like to help others more than they like to help themselves actually um, they they are really good at reading rooms and and knowing what people need they're really good at meeting those needs of those people um, they want to help a lot anybody that needs it and and what can happen there is at their best they can um, see the needs of people and they can meet them and then they can also see the needs of them set of their set themselves and meet those needs as well so at their best they're really good at self-care but at their worst when we kind of turn all of that a little bit and um to the shadow side of the two they are really bad at self-care because what can happen is as twos are um, meeting needs of people sometimes these people might not want them to help they might you know just based on like yeah it's okay I've got this I'm, I'm fine but for a two that can actually be quite devastating um, and so sometimes at their worst twos can try to create needs in people and because what they what because um, that's how they find out who they are and when twos um, get alone and they're just with themselves it can be actually really frightening because um, twos a lot of times don't know who they actually are. They know who that person needs them to be and who that person needs them to be. Um, but it's, that it can be kind of scary. So that's the, that's the shadow side of two is just making or creating needs in people because that's much safer than having to sit with yourself and not exactly know who you are. So that's why self-care is super important with twos. Um, and the virtue of two, which is like the gift or like the, the really, the great part of it is that when you see that people don't actually need you to have humility, um, and just say, okay, it's fine. I can, I, looks like right now I'm going to take care of myself instead of you. And that's what's most important. So that's two. And they're really outward with all of that, with all of their emotion. They're really good at reading rooms. Um, threes are the effective person and they are, um, they're super hardworking. They're really confident. They're super energetic, really organized. They want to make the world a more efficient place and are like the doers of the world. Um, they really don't like failure. They don't like to feel that and they don't like indecision, but they really love blank pages and to think about all the stuff that could happen. And then when they see the road or the path to get the thing done, they just do it. Um, they hop, skip and jump to the end, which is different than ones who can be also doers, but ones need to follow the rules and follow the steps that are laid out. And so ones and threes can kind of, um, get frustrated with each other because threes are like, Oh, just, I mean, you just do it. You're not, it's whatever, however it has to happen. And ones are like, no, 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 no. There is a right way to do this. There is a path and a progression that must be followed. And threes are like, whatever, I'll just get it done. And then ones can get really frustrated. I'm like, I'm like <laughs> nodding and laughing. Cause I'm thinking about different threes in my life. And mm -hmm. that, that exact thing that you just talked about is, a lot of where like the head butting and coming up against and in hindsight, that's why I said, I wish I would have known what I know now yeah. because I think that I would have handled it differently. And like I said, given that person a break. And so now when I 
come up against some of those similar themes with the threes in my life, Mm -hmm. it is so much better and so much more healthy. So, right. Yeah. Again, because you've got, you understand, you've got more grace with them probably. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. So, okay. So all of this really great stuff, like this authenticness, this role modelness, and um, uh, this ability to just get the things done um, can turn to the shadow side. And um, this is where threes can become competitive. They can become super image conscious. They're probably the most image conscious of all the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, they can kind of, sh- they, they might want to show off or kind of clamor for attention um, to, to show off accomplishments. And they can kind of be chameleon-like um, in in how they in how they do the world. So the the idea for threes is that you need to get back to this idea of authenticity. Um, so even when you are, you know, you you wake up in the morning and it's like, oh my gosh, I have already failed, and that might be something that you think about. Um, instead of, instead of like, okay, well, looks like I'm gonna do, 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 do all the things all day long, because then somebody will see it, and somebody will shout me out for doing a great job. If we can just get back to, all right, this is actually who I am, and I can be authentic in who I am, and and it's okay if, if nothing goes right today. I'm not gonna spin it to make it sound perfect or great, but Mm -hmm. I'm just, this is just what it is. So that's three. And threes are in the heart center because they really do have, um, they, they do have emotion, but they're, they can forget about it. They can forget about their heart as they're hop, skip, and jumping um, toward the next thing. And, um, and they can also forget about other people's hearts in the process too. And then fours are the original person and they are um, super creative. They're really deeply sensitive. They can be really poetic, um, artistic, authentic. They want to make the world a more beautiful and meaningful place. And they are really good at accepting the whole spectrum of emotions. So they can ride on the high highs and then they can dip down into the low lows of life and kind of do this big, um, roller coaster wave of emotion. Um, and they actually like to live on the extremes of, of the emotion. Um, they're really good people to sit with, to have sit with you when you're in it, when you're going through it, because they, they can just hold the space. They like the both and, they like holding the tension, they love emotional connection. Um, and at the, all of those things, when we turn them again and um, on the shadow side of four, they can um they can kind of dip down into melancholy they can become kind of envious um and they they will start to focus and fixate on things that are missing and it could be it could be any it could be inward fours are very inward people um they're focusing inwardly um so it could be something that they feel is missing inside of them it could be something aesthetically out in the world that is missing um it could be any anything missing they feel like it's missing but really um it's not or or it's okay um and so the idea for fours is this idea of equanimity just just it is what it is and it's going to be okay we don't we can kind of even out we um can ride the high highs and the low lows but it's okay to have kind of a baseline somewhere in there too So those are, so two, three, and four, that's the the heart triad. And then move into the head triad. And so the head, the head numbers are five, six, and seven. And for head people, they are really analytical. They um, like data. They like data points. They like to learn things. There's, they can be really smart. They can be really funny. Um, and they, they make, um, they make decisions based on, uh, on data, on, on their head, on research. Um, and so each of these 
four or each, each, oh my goodness, each of these three numbers are going to kind of represent that a little bit differently. Um, so type five is the wise person. And um, this number really loves to learn and to figure out how things work. They can do deep dives down into a few different topics um, and, and they really want to make the world a more enlightened place. And they, they love their personal space. They love, um, they need to understand what is expected of them. They don't like being caught with their pants down basically. Um, and they don't like not knowing. So they are driven by this idea or by this fear of not knowing. And so that's why they will deep dive down into just a few topics. The internet is like the worst invention for fives because you can go all over the place. You can go anywhere you want to on the internet and learn all the things you want to about really obscure topics. And that is like, that's really great for fives. Um, they also are sometimes called the observer because they much prefer to step back and observe the world rather than participate in it. And that goes back to a fear of not wanting to be caught not knowing something. Um, they, they would much prefer to be in a situation and have something like a coffee cup between them and what's actually happening. Or I've got a friend who is a five and she's a photographer, a wedding photographer. And she'll say, I love, I love photographing weddings. I love it so much. It is so great, but I hate going to weddings as a guest because um, as a guest, I need to be participating in what's going on. As a, as a photographer, I'm still participating, but I've got my camera between me and the world and whatever is happening out in this wedding. Um, and so she prefers to, to do weddings um, with, as a photographer, just because she's got this thing in between her and what's actually happening. Um, and so when fives at, um, at their worst, when we kind of turn it a little bit, they can become detached from their life. They're all up in their head. And so they can become detached from their life and from their body and from their emotions. Um, they can feel stupid for not knowing something and that can actually really paralyze them. Um, and they don't like being unprepared for a situation. It's absolutely the worst for them. And so for fives, what they need to do is the virtue is detachment, which is um, basically saying I'm going to detach from my head. I'm actually going to um, understand what the rest of my, my body and my being is about right at this moment and maybe stop observing and start participating. So that is five. Six is the loyal person. Um, six, sixes are fun. Um, they are, they're reliable, they're very dedicated, they're very trustworthy. Um, they want to make the world a safer place and a more prepared place and predictable place. Um, they can be really cautious and also they can know exactly what to do in a crisis situation because sixes spend their time thinking about worst case scenarios. And so they know CPR, they know where the exits are in, in restaurants and in buildings. They have um, a car safety kit in the back of their vehicle. They might have band-aids on their person or in their purse. Um, they just, they're just really cautious, careful people. Um, and they're very loyal to their group. And sixes a lot of times can't make decisions for themselves. They like to ask everybody else's opinion before they, they finally decide. Um, and so, which isn't bad until it is bad, until it is not healthy. And so we turn to the shadow side of six where they can just be anxious, they can play devil's advocate, they can look to authorities, whatever authority means to them, um, to make the decisions for them instead of making decisions on their own. Um, and they can be defensive about that. <clears throat> and so for six, the virtue is courage, meaning, hey, it's okay, you're gonna just make that decision and you don't need to ask everyone about it. And if, um, and if you, if it doesn't go the right way or the way you want it to go, then it's going to be okay. 
and um, nothing bad will come of it. Um, and to not and to not have fear drive the bus for sixes. And then sevens, the last number today that we will look at. Um, sevens are the joyful person, and they are just the spice of life. They're super fun. They're really optimistic, really energetic. They're very multi-talented. Um, they've got many irons in the fire. They really like to keep busy with their thoughts and with their activities, um, which can sometimes turn into feeling undisciplined or kind of scattered. They say like monkey mind is a thing for sevens where you think about one thing, you think about another thing, you think about another thing, you kind of ping-ponging in their brain and also in their activities. Um, and again, it's all great until it's not. And the shadow side is of a seven is that they're actually a lot of times doing all of these activities, thinking all these things, wanting to do all the stuff because they're avoiding harder emotions that are, that are present in their life somewhere. Either it's a work thing or it's a family thing or, or it's something they just don't want to think about or something they saw um, on a news site or whatever. They just, they don't want to, they, they think that um, if they stay in one thing too long, that eventually that thing is going to end and then there's going to be sadness and it's going to be perpetual forever and ever and ever. And, and it really is that dramatic sometimes. And so that's why for them. So that's why they just want to bounce from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, to try to avoid whatever is really hard for them. And so the virtue of seven is sobriety, but not sobriety like we might think of it more. So can you, seven, can you um, learn to do just a few things instead of many things? Or can you um, allow yourself to stop long enough to actually feel the hard emotion that you're trying to push away and actually be okay with it, knowing that it's going to pass. It's not going to be, um, you're not doomed to hard, to hard feelings forever. <laughs> um, and can you just, can you just be still for a minute and and realize that all is going to be well. So that's seven. Um, how, how, what would you say is the best way for somebody to go about finding their type? I know there's a lot of tests online yeah. um, and I don't always know. I mean, so what's your opinion? I don't know if those are the most accurate, but if somebody's listening to this and they're like, um, the types really resonate with me. I think I know what I am based on what you just talked about, but I want to find out more. What would you tell people is the best way for them to figure out their type? Yep. Okay. Um, there's a few different ways. So if you want, you can go the test route. Um, uh, there are two that are paid tests that are like $10 or and $12 um, that you could, that you could do. And one of them is the, with the Enneagram Institute. So if you just Google Enneagram Institute and it will come up. Another one um, is through, uh, it's the WEPS, W-E-P-S-S.com. Um, that's the one I use with my clients actually just to get a baseline. I, I know that test can be wrong. Um, that one is actually the most, uh, uh, scientifically based one, I think, of the two. Uh, so that's the one I use. The website's going to look real janky. It might look a little spammy, but <laughs> it's just very old. Um, it'll take you a long time to take, but you could do that. Um, and it'll it'll bring it'll give you this really great printout that is full of information about whatever number you um, whatever number came out for you. There are also, there's some books you could read. A lot of, I would say either take a test or talk to people. So listening to podcasts about numbers um, or, or learning or talking with someone that you trust about, about Enneagram stuff um, though is, is just as valuable. It just might not get you there as fast. Um, and sometimes the journey to your number is actually more important than, than landing on it. Um, so be okay with, with that journey if you need, if that feels like the best route to go. 
Okay. Um, what would you say to people? You have an Enneagram coaching business and you do one-on-one -on -one coaching. You do couples coaching. You do corporate coaching yep. um, or for nonprofits. So what would you tell people is, are the benefits of Enneagram coaching? Yeah, that's a really good question. So for teens, um, corporate or nonprofit or church or whatever, I guess church is nonprofit, but um, for whatever, for, for teens, think about the team that you are on or a team that you have been on in the past and think about some of the frustrations that, that your team has experienced either interpersonally or in the work you've done. Um, and, and then think about having somebody come in and talk about those differences and kind of um, evening the, the uh, leveling the playing field for you to say, everybody, thinks a different way, comes to conclusions, and makes decisions in different ways, but that doesn't mean that anybody is less valuable um, or that their way is wrong and your way is right. Um, and so when I go into teams, into team situations, and I'm working with, um, with these teams, we, we do a lot of work around what are the numbers and, the, and how do the triads kind of play out. We do... Um, different activities to get people talking because what I'm finding is that sometimes we just don't talk <laughs> and that then that that's where all the uh, frustration comes in is when we're just not communicating. Um, and so, so I come in and we, we, we do some Enneagram work and then we have a conversation at the end where I just kind of facilitate a time for the team to talk. Um, and then for, couples and for individuals well for couples I mean Enneagram was the best possible thing that could have ever happened for my marriage um, my husband is a seven and so it brought to light for me a lot of the things that were frustrating like um, bouncing from one thing to another oh okay so now I can understand that when he's thinking about this thing and then he's thinking about this other thing and then he's thinking about this other thing. There's probably an underlying reason for all of that. So having the language of the Enneagram as a primary language that we use um, with each other, so helpful. It's so helpful. So with couples, we, I just work to get them on the same page. We figure out your numbers together. Um, and then again, we just have a conversation. What do you love about your partner what do you what's frustrating what and we kind of get it all out and then again we level the playing field and we bring in a lot of grace um into into how things are done and then with individuals um it's one-on-one -on -one and it is learning about yourself so that then you can become a better version of you and it's the same for all of for all the types of groups that I work with um, I work with small groups too. Sometimes, sometimes small groups will want me to come in for a night. And so we just have a conversation and, and it's all about getting back to who you truly are. I love that. I want you to come talk to my small group. <laughs> hey, anytime. <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, okay. Thank you, Kristen, for just explaining the nine types. And I feel like I could sit here and talk all day. Um, anytime <laughs> with you. Um, but so thank you for that. I think it will really give people just a great brief introduction to the Enneagram and hopefully inspire them and kind of spark a little fire in them to figure out their number and maybe their spouse's number or their friend's number um, and kind of just grow and learn from there. So I want, I want to ask all my guests at the end of the episode um, a few little like read, watch, listen, follow questions. So we're going to transition into that. Okay. Um, so what are you reading right now? It can be a book or an article or a blog. Um, what are you reading right now? Okay. I am reading two things. First, I am reading Brene's, Brene Brown's new book, Dare to Lead. Um, it is really good. I am halfway through and I have underlined most of the book. It's, it's really, really good. Um, and I'm also reading and using it more as 
as a study tool, but I am I'm learning about the um, the subtypes to each of the Enneagram numbers. There's actually three subtypes to every number. Um, and so I'm going through Beatrice Chestnut's book on the 27 Enneagram types and subtypes. So that's what I'm reading. Um, what was the next one? Uh, watch. The Is there watch anything one. that you're watching these days? If not, I'll just say pass. <laughs> I just started... Um, Marie Kondo's Kondo's uh yes on Netflix yeah I can't even know uh, tidying up yes yeah I just I just started I've read her book um a while back and and you know started to implement some of her things which I really loved um but I'm really excited to get into into tidying up a little bit more um and then I'm also watching just because um the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, again, it's on Netflix. It's mm-hmm. just funny. Because sometimes, sometimes nines just need to watch funny things. Yeah. Because we can't handle, I don't do, I do not do like based on a true story. <laughs> things about, sad things about families and children, animal movies, not my deal. <laughs> I, it has to be chick flick it has to be funny because I can't I just can't I can't handle something lighthearted. Lighthearted. there we go that's a good word okay yeah. what is there anything that you're listening to right now um not anything currently but I will say uh if you're interested in other podcasts that are any like specifically Enneagram related mm-hmm. uh, typology is one that I would look at I love that one yeah, I do too. And then um, there is a an artist. His name is or his, Sleeping at Last. Mm-hmm. He's a band or he's a musician. That's the word, musician. Um, and he is in the process of writing a song for every Enneagram number. And so that's actually another way too, if you're thinking that you want to get into understanding yourself better, um, these songs can kind of wreck you and, and can bring up a lot of, a lot of stuff for a lot of people. Um, so listen to the songs, maybe something will pop out at you and that might help you to figure out what number you are too. Yeah. I, I really like that podcast and I think it's, I'm always so amazed. I mean, obviously he's a musician and a songwriter. It's what he does, but the way that he writes songs for each of the types, um, you just know he's like done his research However, he does it because he is so spot on in him. And it's, I'm quite amazed at it. Cause usually I, I mean, I find like you're pretty, get pretty well versed in your own number, you yep. know? Yep. Um, so obviously you're going to know your own number yourself a lot. Um, and then depending on how much you dig into the other numbers. So mm-hmm. it's pretty interesting how he's so spot on, um, with those songs. And he actually has a podcast also where he goes into detail about each of the songs and how he wrote it. And um, Chris Hewitt's is another, he's an author and, um, of an Enneagram book and actually a few other ones. Um, but he and Chris talk on the podcast about the numbers. That's cool. Okay. What are you following right now? I am following, hmm. I don't know the name there. (laughs) This is, um, you know, anything that is positive right now, I just feel like, um, in our world that is just so divided and so, um, sad and, and fearful about lots of things. Um, any, anybody that is going to be giving me a, a dose of happiness and positivity and on Instagram and, um, and, and people who just like genuinely love what they're doing. So I don't know if I can give you anybody specific. I'm actually trying to figure that out. I'm (laughs) scrolling right now, like maybe I'll find them and I'll remember the name, but, um, anybody that is going to give me a positive view on some, on what life is like right now. That's good. Cause I mean, if you're going to be online, you might as well 
follow things that are positive and that encourage and uplift you rather than anything else. I know. So that's yeah. good. Okay, Kristen, where can people find you after they're done listening to this podcast? Where can they go and find you? Okay. So I am on Instagram and it is at her H E R dot T O V dot Enneagram. Um, and then my website is hertove.org. So H E R T O V dot org. Um, there you'll find what I do a little bit more on Enneagram stuff, how to get a hold of me. I also, I've got, I do free freebies a lot. So jump on to my, um, email list and, and there's freebies there for you. Um, yeah, those are my two, the two biggies. Awesome. Okay, guys, thank you for listening to this uh, podcast with Kristen and go check out her Instagram handle and her website. Like she said, she's got a lot of free resources that she gives out to her newsletter subscribers too. So make sure you sign up for her newsletter and thank you, Kristen, for joining me today. You are so welcome. Thank you.